Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the TLGE Network podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Stewart, and I am excited to get to our guest this week. I have been wanting to have a conversation with Jerry Moots for a long time where we did not have any time restrictions, and I finally got to have a chance to sit down with Jerry, and I am so excited for you to get to hear 69 years of a life well spent and a man who redeems the time every day that he lives and someone who's had an amazing journey. I hope that you are able to sit down and really listen and have a notepad with you and be ready to soak in some awesome insight into the joys of life and the ways that uh, you can be just challenged to be a better person at the end of this and really have a, a transformational experience in your life wherever you are. So thanks so much for being here and I'm looking forward to talking to you at the end of the podcast. Let's get to our guest. Hi, everyone. I get to introduce to you one of the most kind and gentle men that I know in Sioux Falls, and that is Jerry Moots. And I've only known Jerry for about two years, and this will by far be one of the longest personal conversations we've ever had. And so I'm excited and I hope that uh, you are in a place where you are ready to listen and you are ready to uh, have some really awesome uh, moments just with uh, listening to a, uh, someone in our community who really cares about people. And we're going to jump into things. So, uh, Jerry, you want to just start with uh, how you remember meeting me? And we're going to just share a little bit about how we met and, uh, and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, actually, uh, I met you, Gordon. Um, I think you came into the prayer room before you started coming to the church. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I remember you there, and then of course <clears throat> I had known one of the have known one of the supervisors, um, you know, from uh, Select Painting, hmm. and uh, and they had spoken about you as well and how hmm. they really appreciated you uh, as a person, but an employee, you know, mm -hmm. as well, and just your heart, um, for, for people, and, and, uh, and then, of course, uh, knew you and got to see you, your family, you know, yeah. uh, also, uh, through, uh, the, the church, uh, yeah. fellowship, and, and so, uh, yeah, both have been, a, an honor, so. Yes, yeah. and I was sharing with you before we started, uh, the first time I, met you was, you know, kind of a, 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 it was sermons, it was, it was Sunday mornings, uh, for the most part, so there were a few, um, uh, prayer meetings that we were connected in, but, but, uh, what will always be my top memory is when I was talking to my father-in-law about the new church I was starting to go to, and when I, uh, when my wife and I told him, uh, who the pastor was, uh, there was just uh, a really sweet moment uh, between uh, all of us where there was a lot of security and a lot of safety and a lot of trust that was instantly established without us having to say anything more about you because we didn't know much about you. We just said, these are the facts. Here are the pastors. We feel God's moving here. 
And we believe God's moving here. And so this is where we're going to go. And we were asking for, you know, his uh, support in that. And, uh, and he supported us ever since. And so ever since that moment, I've very much been excited for, for an opportunity like this to really get to know you and, and understand, you know, what have you done, you know, in, in Sioux Falls and in, and in your life to, to get where you are, um, and, and to carry what you carry. Uh, a lot of people will, will get an idea of what that is as we continue, but I've been really excited just to say the least. I've been really looking forward to, um, what's happened in your life and, and where you are now and, and where you see yourself in the future. And so um, with that being said, I'm ready to jump into our next segment, which is uh, sharing stories about you and uh, impactful things that have happened in your life. So as we had a short introduction, I'm going to let Jerry share a lot more now. And we're going to let Jerry talk about uh, his early years, and he's going to flow that as, as far into his young adult life as he wants to, and we'll uh, conclude this first section when he gets uh, kind of to a place where he wants to uh, kind of take a break, and then we'll, we'll jump into another section. So, uh, Jerry, without further ado, you want to just kind of let us know where were you born, where were you raised, and and how did your family kind of help guide you in life and uh, until you were a young adult, 18. Mm, okay. Uh, maybe I'll start out first that I'm 69 years old yes. now. That's and awesome. so I have 69 years of history. Um, but uh, I want to give the history not so much to uh, bore people to tears, but to, uh, to later uh, address uh, some of the, the earlier years or to take conclusions from the earlier years to uh, create a, a challenge. So uh, I was uh, born in uh, Lesueur, Minnesota, which is near Mankato and St. Peter, and uh, it was a, a good atmosphere. Uh, my Both my parents had become Christians uh, prior to moving to uh, that small town in Minnesota, and uh, my dad was uh, in training as an optometrist in mm. Illinois. And uh, during that time, there was a, in the trailer court that they lived in, uh, many of the students at his optometric school lived in, um, had a evangelist uh, that was there. And, and, uh, and so he came and had Bible studies and basically won a lot of the uh, people in the trailer court to Christ and then provided a church uh, for them and Bible studies uh, for them, uh, midweek studies, that kind of thing. Very on fire type uh, uh, young man. Uh, mm. and, uh, and so I owe him a debt of gratitude for getting my, uh, my, my parents uh, to, uh, to become Christians and to start that walk. So they were <clears throat> uh, newborn Christians when they uh, started to open up the optometric uh, practice in Lesur. and uh, but they also uh, were a part of a, a church that was uh, very foundational. 
Uh, it's called the Evangelical United Brethren Church, EUB, uh, back in the day, hmm. uh, which later merged with Methodist and became United Methodist. Uh, so, but we had uh, a very uh, rock-solid pastors uh, through through all that that time, and some of them went on uh, from our church to uh, to get into uh, ministries that were quite uh, impressive. Um, for the kingdom of God, that is. So even in a small town, God had uh, yeah. real strong men of God to, to minister to us and the family. Right. Um, and so uh, I am the second of six uh, children, and uh, uh, they, are, they all became Christians uh, in, from different ways. Uh, I was 12 years old when I walked forward at a Billy Graham crusade up in Minneapolis, uh, happened to be one of those that was in the the highest bleacher seats. Wow! And so when I walked forward, uh, it was a a journey of decision because you could turn around at any time. It took a long time, in other words, to get down the steps and then stand in front of the platform. Uh, but always had a special place in my heart for Billy Graham, and yeah. uh, not to spend a lot of time on him, but uh, I did watch uh, some of his. Uh, uh, crusades and uh, I could never find out or figure out what what it was about this man uh, I tried to you know that was so uh, powerful yeah and so one time I just uh, sat and took notes yeah. of his sermon and it was not the sermon it was actually the the anointing of the Holy Spirit it just came and honored his own God's word right. uh, Billy spoke it and uh, and it just went forward from there. So I think we can take a uh, you know mm -hmm. kind of a lesson from Billy Graham and leading a life of integrity and right. but just uh, you know through prayer and study he just preached God's word and mm. uh, so a lot happened in that time. So I took I took note of that uh, early on in my life as well. Mm. Uh, so uh, getting back to my family, I um, uh, we were uh, my dad was trying to raise or lead us um, and of course we were six young children and uh, it was uh, quite a circus in our home at different times yes. uh, they, they led well I appreciate my my parents love for Christ um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom wow. uh, which uh, did help us uh, in in managing all of that uh, they were both people of integrity uh, people in the community. My dad had leadership roles uh, in in the church and in the city. Later became mayor. Uh, he has also statewide um, uh, responsibilities uh, for the Optometric Association and and through the church uh, conference that we were part of or that he was a part of. And so uh, they were respected in the community. Uh, roughly about uh, four thousand people in the community. But uh, he was respected for his practice and yeah. uh, and for his leadership roles in the various areas I mentioned. Um, so I had that kind of like to somewhat live up to, or you know, it was always like pulling on me. Right. Uh, all of us kids knew we better not you know mess up in the city because everybody everybody would know about it. You know, <laughs> so that kind of kept us in tow, I'm sure too. But um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we all have. Uh, all, all the kids have become Christians, married Christians, went on into different various uh, types of, of ministry serving, mm -hmm. serving God even to this day. So 
Uh, so I had to kind of like, when I could see the, the picture of family being established like that, we, uh, we all kind of wondered, uh, and maybe mostly me, I was the one that talked about it the most, but like, um, how did this happen? You know, because yeah. my, my parents weren't praying people before they became Christians and they, they, they just became Christians before they started having all, all of us kids. And so, uh, it was a, a new adventure for them. Um, but, uh, but I, I had a, uh, a great grandfather and grand, great grandmother that, were praying people and very loving, kind. I heard stories uh, about them. And uh, at one point in time, uh, my great-grandparents <clears throat> basically came down to have an intervention on my grandfather, my mother's dad. Uh, he was an alcoholic and he was verbally abusive <clears throat> and uh, and I, I think a little physically uh, abusive, and uh, and he had uh, six or seven uh, children himself. Wow! Large family, and uh, and so those children were starting to be raised in this uh, abusive uh, scenario. So my great grandparents came down one day, and I heard this story from several of my um, uncles. Um, on my mom's side, and uh, they they all told the same story about how uh, great grandfather uh, came in and uh, and met with my grandfather <clears throat> in the bedroom for like three or four hours. Yeah. What were and, their names? Just for oh uh, Johnson's family. Yeah. yeah. And the but first name? Uh, I can't remember the first name hmm. of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, Stordahl was my my grandfather. Gotcha. And uh, so, um, so my, my grandfather ended up receiving uh, deliverance ministry and a lot of uh, prayer, obviously, uh, for those three, four hours. And when he came out, uh, my uncles <clears throat> said, you could, you could tell on his face that he had become uh, somebody new <clears throat> and never returned to that lifestyle wow. again. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're good. And he later um, uh, uh, passed away, but I got his devotional Bible, which is a small New Testament, and, and that Bible was worn out. I mean, the cover wasn't the same cover. It was all, all the grain had been, been uh, yeah. taken off by the, the sweat of his palms, and the, the pages uh, were all like worn. Um, and so I have that on my dresser. Hmm. Uh, just to remind myself of um, great uh, transformation that can take place hmm. through Jesus Christ in just a matter of hours. And, uh, and of course, he took serious the challenge and developed a, a, such a precious um, relationship with the Lord. And so we would have him <clears throat> pray at different holidays uh, for the, the meal. Wow. And he was very... Um, uh, gracious, uh, there was such a uh, a peace about him. Uh, he loved Christ uh, so much; it, it just uh, overflowed from him. So he was one that was very influential in my life, mm. and of course, he impacted his family after his conversion right. to Christ. Uh, <clears throat> and of course, my mom 
uh, ended up, of course, being one of those that was touched mm -hmm. by his life. And so just the impact that she had on right. all of us, as a, especially as a stay-at-home mom, she was there constantly to be speaking, sharing, and living out her life in front of us. Right. And uh, so, but, uh, so I'll later come back uh, to that, but just the importance of this great-grandfather impacting my grandfather, impacting my mother, and then impacting uh, my siblings, the right. six, uh, six of us uh, kids. So good. All right, I'm excited to get to our next part. So we're picking up where you were 12 years old and you're growing up with your siblings. Your mom's doing her best. Um, talk to us a little bit about yeah, what you remember as far as kind of those those years up to 18, and then uh, you take it as far as you want to from there. Okay, sure. So uh, 12 years old, uh, again, I was uh, attending the EUB church at that time um, and uh, had catechism at that. Yes. We had like, I can't remember, it was two years for sure or two nine-month segments uh, for sure, maybe even three. <clears throat> but it was by uh, Pastor, Pastor Nordstrom, uh, who was uh, a real man of God and and uh, probably what I could pull from his life is that uh, he was one that listened to the Holy Spirit. He he would tell us different times how and, and he would tell his congregation or individuals um, that he would have that he would meet with during the week um, just how he had the, the day planned and then the week planned but he would feel the tug of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would change that yeah. uh, to a degree, yeah. and then there would be fruitfulness. And so he talked about that, and that always intrigued me. <clears throat> you know, number one, how he could have such a, not just a close relationship with the Lord, but he actually, like, he could hear him talk, yes. and he would talk back. So there, there was conversation with God, <clears throat> meaning that he would listen as well yes. and obey. <clears throat> and uh, so... <clears throat> Excuse me. He uh, so he impressed me that way, um, and uh, maybe I'll just stop for just a second just to make another point uh, that I will draw on again later on. But uh, throughout my life, I didn't have like mentors that uh, came up to me and said, "Hey, I think I should mentor you." Uh, so there was nobody like specific and designated. Yeah. But I drew from different people as mentors. I, uh, without even really putting a label on it, right. uh, I would watch their lives. I would say, I want that or more of that, whatever. Right. Right. Uh, so that happened throughout my life, and I'll try to highlight uh, those people at that time. Hmm. So another pastor, uh, not of my church, okay. but he was a, a neighbor. Uh, yeah. It was Reverend Ron Hess. And uh, he lived. Uh, there was only, uh, He lived two houses away from us. That, that was where his pa uh, parsonage was, and he was a Presbyterian pastor, and uh, he was just full of life. Wow! And uh, very evangelical. <clears throat> uh, he preached the gospel uh, from the pulpit uh, with no reserve, that and awesome. uh, so we. We were very good neighbors. He would borrow our car from time to time because his was kind of 
in rough shape. Uh, he had uh, a lot of uh, children, uh, two of which were adopted, mm. and uh, uh, of a different race as well. And, and so they all uh, were just uh, very open arms uh, to all people. And wow. you knew that. I mean, you shook hands, you heard the, their voice, uh, their greetings, and you knew that. And so I latched onto this man and watched his life. Uh, he was very close to my parents and so close that he would come over unannounced, knock on the door and come in without, without waiting for somebody to come to the door and would just, uh, you know, just uh, uh, shout out a, a hallelujah or, or whatever. Uh, he would have a greeting all the time, but always a smile uh, wow. uh, on his face. And uh, <clears throat> so one of my sisters, uh, maybe even two of them, uh, got saved at one of their uh, summer programs uh, that they had at, at their church. And uh, uh, so he started a, a Christian uh, baseball league for, for young children. Uh, he did a lot for the, the city. Uh, and, uh, uh, and he gave me some tips in basketball. I used to play basketball in high school. And uh, so he was very much... Uh, an impact uh, in my life, hmm. uh, even after he moved away. Uh, he would actually, because uh, we would go to his church periodically, mostly for special events and that kind of thing, but he would do uh, a Jonathan Winters uh, comedian imitation, uh, and he could do it very well. You'd have to look up Jonathan Winters, uh, <clears throat> but he was uh, popular in, in my uh, my span of life in That's those younger challenge. years, you know. But challenge. he would do... Uh, uh, you know, kind of different characters, even from the pulpit, and he would sing from the pulpit. Wow. I mean, it, it, life, Jesus, just flowed out of him. He, wow. he glowed with Jesus. So uh, he was very much an impact uh, through those formative years mm -hmm. and in the early teens and, and that kind of thing. And, yeah. and, uh, and so, but yeah, I had to uh, like I said before, uh, several good pastors and Sunday school uh, teachers. We had Sunday school teachers back in that day as well. And, yes. <clears throat> um, and my Sunday school teacher, the first one was very similar to uh, Ron Hess, uh, my wow. neighbor pastor. Wow. Uh, and then the other one uh, was uh, very much Holy Spirit-led, fiery lady, uh, Elaine Wagner, and she... She changed all of our lives, challenged us, uh, gave us the Word of God. And so in this small little church, uh, it was like God just dumped, you know, solid people uh, in, that, in that ministry. And, and so all of our lives were just uh, formed in a, a solid, uh, loving ministry. Yes. Uh, and a lot of grace, a lot of power was uh, spoken about, but we could see it lived out. Uh, so there was no hypocrisy that we could, uh, <clears throat> that we would get like disjointed from or, right. or you know, disappointed in. Right. Uh, they all lived it out. And, uh, and so that, of course, would impact anybody. Yeah. You know? uh, so the years went on and different pastors would come through, you know, every five or seven years, whatever it was. Uh, and so kind of grew up uh, in that scenario. <clears throat> uh, so uh, I knew that I wanted to follow Christ and walk out, you know, the decision that I had made at the Billy Graham crusade and, and uh, 
And so uh, my parents were very good at fostering that, uh, even during those formative years. And uh, then I guess I could move on to uh, uh, a person that, um, that changed my life again right. uh, uh, is uh, uh, my, my wife. Yeah. Um, so I met her uh, when, uh, when I was a freshman in high school Wow! as a, a friend in a midst, uh, a larger, <clears throat> excuse me, a larger friendship group. So we've just like all go to shows together, you know, five, six, seven, eight of us, whatever. When you say shows, what is a show at that oh, time? Oh yeah, a movie what? theater. A movie theater. <laughs> yes. So you right. would go to a movie theater. Yep. That's and, right. And black and white or no? Um... I think it started out that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't remember when the the uh, color came in. Because, I mean, Billy know. Graham was on black and white for a while. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was born in 51. TVs weren't all that old at that time. Right. You know, so they were all black and white. So you're going to shows and, and, you, meet, and you meet your to-be wife? Yep, yeah. As a, uh, I knew her uh, from freshman on. Right. And... Uh, and then we didn't start dating until February 1st of our junior year in, in high school. Wow. And then never uh, dated anybody else after that. Wow. Um, she ended up, uh, we both, of course, graduated from that high school. And, uh, and she went on to uh, uh, St. Paul uh, School. It was a school of nursing in St. Paul. Okay. And I went on to Southwest State in Marshall, Minnesota. Wow. That's a distance, right? Yeah. How far? Yeah. A couple uh, hours? A couple hours, yeah. yeah. Yep. So back in that day, we didn't have cell phones. We had to pay long-distance calls. Yes. And so that didn't happen too often. <laughs> so we wrote letters. Okay. As a matter of fact, I just got rid of the last of her letters. Really? I saved them and reread them all before I <clears throat> got rid of them. Huh. And um, so it was always interesting to, uh, to have those conversa or conversations in writing, which I, I think helped... <clears throat> our relationship because uh, you had to kind of think and you could write and um, you know so uh, and of course you know she would put perfume on hers and I'd put you know cologne on mine nice. and, you know and uh, learned that you could actually overpower yes. uh, your letters with that stuff but anyway <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah uh, we we were separated from from that uh, or from each other for three years her schooling was for three years I would come back, I, I'm sorry, I did come back one summer, hmm. uh, and so we got to <clears throat> be together for that summer while I, we both worked jobs, summer jobs, and, uh, uh, but still got to see each other quite a bit, and then um, another life-changing uh, uh, event happened to me, and that was, um, I went back to school uh, for my second year, and she went back for her second year, and uh, but I, I never returned home uh, again. And mm -hmm. the reason being is that I had uh, seen and heard about uh, this uh, Jesus Freak Church. It was known back in that day, and uh, it's called Church on the Hill, seven miles out of town, a uh, little country church, <clears throat> but uh, the this uh, it was primarily college age uh, students, and our pastor was like three years older than us, you know. Okay. 
and uh, <clears throat> we did have a sprinkling of, of some adults, uh, older, uh, more mature uh, Christians in the church, but it was basically 90-95% college-age uh, students. And uh, so I'd heard about <clears throat> two of these uh, students because I'd seen them on campus witnessing about Christ, and uh, they were very bold, and I was not, <laughs> and so <laughs> they were very provoking to me, and uh, <clears throat> so I was, um, like I said, provoked. I was desiring that boldness and uh, that love for Jesus, you know, that would take you beyond your fears of, of speaking to people, you know, uh, just in a... a first time meeting them, speaking to them about Jesus, even approaching people, you know, that were sitting or, or whatever that you've never met before, right. just asking right. about Christ and stuff. So um, <clears throat> so I decided to try that church out uh, in my spring semester. And uh, so I, I gave it the, the full weekend because uh, they had uh, Friday night service, they would do some Bible studies on uh, Saturday uh, morning out at the church, Sunday morning church service, and Sunday night church service. Wow. And then we'd head back to school, you know, kind of thing. And so I tried it out for the, all of the activities that they had. <clears throat> they worshipped on the school bus that we rode on. Uh, they rode, rode on a school bus from the college campus, picked up a few other kids in the city, and then went the seven miles out of town. They worshipped the whole time. And so when we got out to the church, the worship leader who was in position with his guitar and the rest of the worship team, <clears throat> uh, all he had to do was like just strum a few chords and the fire was lit and it would just uh, go up in, in holy smoke, so to speak. And uh, <clears throat> so, and, and that actually happened one time that I can remember was that worship and praise in the school, in, in the school bus, on that seven miles out to the church building, we got into the church building, and no kidding, the the uh, worship leader uh, strummed the guitar and gave us one chord, and it just erupted uh, in praise. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he didn't even have to do anything, and so uh, that just uh, spoke to me. And of course, I was entering this atmosphere yeah. um, as kind of a a challenge to myself, but giving leeway to God to speak to me, should I attend here, yes right. or no? <clears throat> and God just mowed me over uh, <laughs> so much. And these, these, uh, these students knew how to worship. Uh, I was introduced uh, um, <clears throat> to raising of hands and uh, people worshiping in the Spirit and, and, uh, and that kind of thing just... Uh, very Holy Spirit-led <clears throat> uh, type of, of service. Yeah. Uh, again, the pastor being young, but uh, founded in God's Word so strongly <clears throat> and was so anointed. Uh, the teachings were very, very clear, hmm. uh, very, they penetrated your heart, and it was easy to say yes to the Holy Spirit, to, to make changes in our, in our right. lives and, right. and that kind of thing. And, um, and it was a praying uh, church, too. We uh, did a lot of stuff. Um, um, so uh, I, I went home that night. Uh, so the first weekend, uh, I gave to God to say, <clears throat> you know, should I continue out here? 
I didn't even make it through the whole weekend. It was the, the first service I went to that was the Friday night one. And uh, yeah, uh, I was so provoked. I, I had never seen, never felt, never heard worship like this. And being that it was small, you were surrounded. You were engulfed with, uh, with young people throwing it all at the altar. I mean, just giving up uh, all the praise and all the worship. And it was heartfelt. Um, it was just impactful, and I uh, went back home uh, to my dorm, I should say, and and uh, I got up to the the room, and I can remember, I mean, right where where this all happened. Um, but I, I literally dropped to my knees by my bed, and I said, "God, am I even saved?" Uh, I looked at these students, and I saw what I saw. And I was like, I didn't see that in my life. And uh, he said, yeah, you, you are saved. He said, you're anchored in that. But he said, I, I have so much more for you. And so my words out of my mouth at that time and forevermore was, I want that and I want it all. Wow. And so he has always kept that there. Um, and I keep saying the same thing. And so... <clears throat> uh, that changed my life. And so I continued to go out there and be a part of that community and, and just grew. So that happened through the spring semester, like I said, but um, then in the summer, I had the possibility to go back to my hometown and work my job <clears throat> that I had from the previous year. It was open to me again yeah. and, uh, and be with my girlfriend and right. uh, who was going to be in that in my hometown, and uh, but they challenged me and said, you know, you would grow more if you were here, and so just pray about staying here because uh, the church owned a house on one side of the town for the girls to stay in, and owned a house on the other side of town uh, for the the <clears throat> young men to stay in if we so choose. That's chose. awesome. So. I brought it before the Lord, and I thought, I'm going to lose my girlfriend if I stay here. Wow. <clears throat> and because she, I didn't mention before, was not a Christian. And, um, and I didn't even know that that was uh, not biblical in, in, in that time. Uh, I was soon to find out that <laughs> that, that was not <laughs> biblical. But uh, <clears throat> so bottom line is, and I've actually typed this up for my kids so that they had in hard copy what this testimony is. Wow. Um, but that uh, I went out to the church by myself and uh, laid before God. And uh, so I said, I, I realize I'm probably going to lose my girlfriend who we had actually already talked about marriage. Right. Um, if I stay here, but I'm feeling drawn to stay here. And so somebody encouraged me, and so I did. I listed out and prayed this prayer before God. I mean, I spoke to God and listed out, these are the dreams of my heart, uh, but I'll give them all over to you, uh, and I will, I will stay here. Mm -hmm. um, and so the dreams of my heart was to marry Ronnie, my, my wife, <laughs> um, and that she would be... 100% on page with me yeah. uh, at all stages of life. 
and that our kids would be raised as Christians, and, and the list went on. And uh, so I had to basically give that up or give it over to the Lord and, uh, and, and just basically put him first. Right. So I did tell my girlfriend at that time, Ronnie, um, <clears throat> the, my decision, and of course she fully didn't understand it, um, but I, I did stay, and, uh, and it, it, it did change uh, my life. I, I did grow uh, incrementally uh, during that summer. Hmm. So our schedule during that summer was Monday night you did laundry, uh, Tuesday night we did street witnessing, sometimes at the fair, sometimes just downtown, and what, every Tuesday night street witnessing. Wednesday, <clears throat> we either had a prayer meeting uh, or a Bible study in another small town. Uh, Thursday, we had a house meeting, so all the girls met in their house and had a Bible study, and the guys did the same thing in their house. Uh, Friday, we did the Friday night service. Sunday morning, uh, healing services. Sat, so Friday night service, Saturday morning, the healing service. Saturday afternoon, we cleaned the church and the property. Yes. Sunday morning, we had the church service. Sunday afternoon, we rested. Sunday evening, we had the church service. And then we came back to Monday again. And we all had summer jobs. Wow. <clears throat> and so it was pretty intense. It was, uh, you, you didn't have time to get in trouble. <laughs> so, and you were all taking the bus out there? Yes. Still? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So bus and cars. Bus know. and cars. Yeah. So, um, so obviously we grew in community. The house was full. We had uh, 27 guys in the house. Whoa. Yeah, we had nine in, in one bedroom uh, with uh, triple bunks instead of double bunks. Uh, you built them? They, they, yeah. The, the property? Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you learned to live with people real yes. quick. Like, uh, <clears throat> But those relationships, even today, many of them are intact. And those people are serving God as well. So there's something about, you know, just having, being impacted and the power of the Holy Spirit uh, and strong uh, bi biblical teaching, but living in community with that to right. iron sharpening iron uh, and all, all that kind of thing. Um, and so uh, basically, you know, uh, God followed up with his end of the deal, so to speak, uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. He um, so I, I continued with that that lifestyle. Um, uh, of course, moved back to the campus when when school started up again. Yeah. But the community, you know, we we had a community on campus, right. just like we did off campus. So, um, so the lifestyle kind of didn't change. Just the schedule did. We didn't have. We weren't intense during the week like that. Just weekend. Um, but uh, trying to move along here is to say that <clears throat> uh, in continuing with that and praying for Ronnie, um, I did a few goofy things, like I would keep my Bible between us on dates when I would go back to my hometown. Nice, nice. Uh, you know, that was kind of... Classic. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny. Not, not so much to my, my girlfriend, Ronnie, at the time, but... Um, <clears throat> so I, I shared Christ with her different times and it wasn't quite working. Hmm. So I went back to more prayer and, uh, and then later on, it basically, 
our worship team and pastor were asked to come and speak to a church near my hometown. Yeah. So a bunch of us came and, uh, and did the service. My girlfriend, Ronnie, at the time, and uh, several of my uh, siblings came to that service as well. Um, during that time, uh, there was an opportunity for an altar call and to be uh, touched and filled with the Holy Spirit. So my... Uh, so Ronnie went into that room. Uh, they said, okay, anybody interested in this, come into this room and, uh, and we will tell you more about that. Uh, so the pastor grabbed one of the other leaders that was going to lead that room and he said, Jerry and Ronnie want to get married. You need to make sure that she becomes a Christian tonight and touched with the Holy Spirit. And so she did. She <laughs> was uh, uh, accepted Christ that night, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and my, uh, my, my later friend, <laughs> but one of the leaders that was assigned that project for that night, <laughs> uh, he actually asked her some questions just to verify before she left the room. And she later told the story, yeah, when he was asking me the questions, I just thought he was doing it to everybody, you know, when they would leave that room. Yeah. No, it was just her, <laughs> you know. But uh, so obviously later we uh, got married in that church, or I should say that church. We took one or two buses of all the church from Marshall, Minnesota to Lesseur, Minnesota, and they came to the wedding and they they led the worship. They wow. they did everything. The pastor helped uh, with the service, uh, co-led with the other, uh, actually the Catholic priest, which awesome. is a, a unique uh, scenario in in our town. Yeah. So unique that uninvited people came to the wedding because you didn't have to be invited to the wedding. You could just show up. Right. And you know they didn't come to the reception, but they wanted to see what this wedding was going to be like, you know. Wow. And so <clears throat> we had a lot of people, a lot of people there. Um, so we got married and, <clears throat> and uh, uh, started having children. We both had our, our jobs, and we were still a part of that church uh, mm. until we, we moved to, to uh, Sioux Falls. And, uh, and so that's another whole yes. big story to come to, to Sioux Falls. But bottom line is the, the Lord drew us here, yeah. even though we were kicking and screaming because wow. uh, we loved that community wow. so much. And uh, it was really hard. Uh, when we moved out of the home, the, the church helped out. There was 14 people to move and to clean the house. Uh, 14 people from the church to help wow. us move and to clean the house. It was so quick and easy. Uh, <clears throat> it was, it was, and a couple of them actually drove down with us so they could move our stuff into this new house in Sioux Falls. Yeah. And uh, so fast forward uh, through those years, raising children <clears throat> in a uh, uh, atmosphere uh, of a church that we, we uh, wanted to find uh, here in Sioux Falls, the same as what we had in Marshall. And, right. and we, found, we found that uh, to be true. Uh, and so we, we, uh, we attend, attended there. <coughs> and uh, so raised our, our, our kids in that atmosphere and um, um, came to a point where I was, uh, I became um, an elder in the church. Uh, I taught Sunday school. 
Um, <clears throat> I was a worship leader and then became leader over the worship teams that we had hmm. and did that with my wife for uh, 40 years, uh, leading worship with her. And so uh, that helped our relationship you know, as yes. well, practicing wow. uh, here at, at the home and, and uh, leading worship together for, for all those years. And, um, was that your full-time job then, worship leader? No, I was, uh, I was in the secular workforce uh, at that time. Um, was in Marshall when we, we led worship in Marshall yeah. also. And then um, <clears throat> here in Sioux Falls, we led worship together. What were you doing for in the workforce? I uh, worked for, it was a company that was basically, or two companies actually, uh, one of them, I went from one company to another, but they both did the same thing. Uh, it was agricultural sales. Uh, it, uh, people don't even know anything about it. It's uh, w with basically powdered eggs. Uh, so if you look on your ingredients for a pancake mix or whatever, they'll say egg solids. Well, we produced egg solids, you know, for the bakeries, major bakeries in the United States and wow. some, some abroad. In a factory, basically. Yeah, I didn't work in the factory. I was a part of the sales oh, team. Right. Yeah, right. so we used uh, uh, food brokers around the nation to do that. So we were the in-house sales people connecting to the uh, wow. food brokers uh, throughout the country. And you did that for how long? All the years until I was, uh, you know, from right out of college, um, uh, which was uh, 23, 24 years old, <clears throat> and uh, uh, until I was 49 years old. Wow. And uh, then the Lord uh, put a challenge before me um, and uh, actually when... when we were called back to Marshall different times to lead worship for special events. If they were to have guest speakers come in or, or a seminar conference, whatever, uh, Ronnie and I would come back and lead worship for that. And she'd play keyboard, I would play guitar at the time. Hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so there was uh, some prophetic uh, men that had come in during one of those times. And uh, we had never met them, they had never met us, obviously didn't know each other at all. <clears throat> and they all three uh, said that I have a call of a pastor on my life. And they kind of laid it out through what they felt the Lord telling them. <clears throat> and uh, so that was all like recorded. And so we, we wrote it out. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and so the, that journey kind of began in that time. Um, it didn't t like take place right away, but... Mm. Uh, so kind of fast forwarding through that interim, um, I ended up like um, just, uh, what should I say, really a lot of uh, prayer and fasting, you know, about that because it would, it would mean a, a big change yes. uh, to us and for us. And, uh, and so, uh, but we hung on to that word. And, but in the interim, there was like three years I actually worked uh, for... Nestle Candy Company. Uh, it was their fundraising division. Uh, and so um, I would go to various schools in this uh, area of the, of, of the country and uh, um, would basically help mostly schools and churches and different organizations uh, raise money with uh, Nestle products. Yes. And, uh, and so uh, uh, did that for three years and 
was meeting all my goals uh, through the Lord. I mean, it was just it just really a God thing. I had to cold call 10 people. I mean, go in front of their faces, uh, 10 people every day and report wow. that. And then you'd get, I mean, you would talk to 10. You would get to speak longer with three and maybe most likely sell one a day. Right. <clears throat> and uh, right. those are their, their numbers. And so did that uh, for three years. In the second year, um, heading uh, into my third year, uh, that like died in my heart. Wow. <clears throat> it just it just uh, like sunk, <laughs> you know. Yes. And uh, and so the reason why is because the Lord was transitioning my heart from that job <clears throat> uh, to uh, coming on staff at, at the church as a as a pastor. But he also used those three years um, because I had a lot of what we would call windshield time. You know, it's a lot of driving time, worship, teaching uh, in the car. I, I traveled 33,000 miles a year. Um, and so I had a lot of that, like downtime or, in, in, you know, intermediate time. Yes. And, uh, and so the Lord used that time. He used uh, scheduling. Uh, he used talking to people, you know, just meeting them and then talking to them, um, you know, use those uh, uh, kind of um, uh, skills, if you will. Right, uh, right. Just, it, you know, the list went on, <clears throat> but he knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And then uh, that third year came, and um, so the Lord started drawing me in. And bottom line is, uh, the church asked me if I would come on staff as the... Um, worship pastor and youth pastor um and uh and so we we prayed about it and sort of humorously uh le still learning things about god and how he speaks and how he doesn't speak yeah and uh so i i told god and i'll take pay attention to how this went yes but i i told god okay i will come on staff as long as i'm on a team of five pastoral leaders and so that's what we were at that time elders pastors there was five of us <clears throat> so i said i will be one of the five and i will come on staff mm -hmm. <clears throat> leave my job and i'll come on staff so it was part-time at the time so i did actually did nestle part-time church part-time <clears throat> and then later the church said we well actually nestle wanted me back full-time and i said no and then the church took me on uh, full-time basically. So, but when I said yes to God, I said, uh, I will do this as long as I can be a one of five, because I don't see myself ever becoming a, a one pastor or a, a senior pastor. And so that's what I told God. And then I, I gave them my answer. And so it went on. And then the leadership team diminished and the senior pastor at that time moved to Florida and so now I'm senior pastor with two other leaders uh, <laughs> and so I said to God I said but I told you that I would come on staff this way with five other leaders yeah he said yep you did and I said but you didn't say anything like no that's right I didn't but you're the one that did all the talking and so you just said you would do that. And I said, okay, good. That's great. You know, but he didn't say it's going to stay that way. He didn't make any promises, any guarantees or anything. So right. I learned I need, I need to hear his voice, you know, to confirm 
so anyway, it was kind of uh, humorous. I, I learned from that experience. Wow. It was uh, a good experience. Um, and what church was this at again? Uh, it later became Living Way Church. We, we had changed the name uh, around that time. Okay. <coughs> so uh, the Christian school, uh, it was Victory Christian Center and then Victory Christian Academy for the school. Um, and later we changed it to uh, Living Way Church. Okay. Yeah, so New and Living Way um, out of Scripture. Yeah. So, um, so I found myself now right. senior pastor, not wanting it, never expecting it. And uh, I'll, I'll another clip of my, what impacted my life was that um, I basically, if you can kind of picture this, um, so I'm, I'm 49 years old, I'm coming out of the secular workforce, which I'm used to being in all yes. of my life, yes. and now venturing into something that I wasn't, that I didn't feel trained for. Yes. Um, and uh, so I was, I felt I was in over my head and yeah. I was sinking and I actually literally saw that. The Lord actually showed me a picture of me. I remember the story. Drowning. Yes. Uh, and I would, I would swim to the surface and I gasped for air, but I would be, uh, I would drown again. I would sink deep. And, it, and every time I would sink, I would sink deeper. Therefore, it took more of a struggle to get to the surface to get air. And so that happened uh, numerous cycles. And finally, I, I just gave up and I said, I'm going to drown. I'm going to die. I can't live this way. And that's when the Lord broke in and said, <clears throat> good, because I'm going to teach you how to live underwater. Right. And so you're going to learn how to breathe uh, and live being in and over your head um, the rest of your life. You will never feel qualified for what I ask you to do. And you'll always have to lean on me, you know, for, for all of that. And so that happened time and time again. Wow. So I just got used to just saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Um, so I will just uh, listen to you. And so my reliance <clears throat> is all on God. It's because uh, there isn't anything, you know, within me just as myself, as Jerry, <clears throat> that uh, is like set up to handle all the stuff, right. you know. Right. So it became very peaceful inside me uh, because he did teach me how to learn or teach me how to live underwater. And, uh, and so fear had to go, <coughs> basically, wow. and confidence in him, reliance on him. Prayer obviously increased again, you know, some more notches up on, on prayer. And, uh, and so uh, it's just been a... Very, very sweet uh, journey. Um, and so a number of years, you know, went from there. But yes. I don't know if we want to stop there or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's take a break here. We'll hear from a word from our sponsor. And we will uh, conclude with uh, kind of where things are at right now in, in, in the most recent years. And, um, and, we'll, and we'll go from there. This week's sponsor is Select Painting. With over a decade of professional experience in the Sioux Empire, voted number one in local best surveys for eight consecutive years, 
Select Painting is South Dakota's largest painting company. I'm honored to say that while SP continues to impact the lives of their employees and customers as they grow, the company relentlessly aims to deepen their vision of transforming lives, growing in excellence. I have the honor of witnessing the owners, managers, and painters continue to practice the values of family, fun, grit, and growth in a way that changes the atmosphere of every job site they work on. In March, Select Painting is offering a special Painter for a Day package while continuing to give free estimates for interior and exterior customers. We want everyone to know that Select Painting is doing everything that is recommended from the CDC to handle the COVID-19 outbreak, and we are doing everything we can to make sure that we are being safe and healthy and clean for our customers. Thank you again, SP, for all you do to make this podcast a reality. Now let's get back to our guest. All right, so we're going to uh, touch back on Jerry and Ronnie being full-time in the ministry, and there's a lot of years in there that uh, are all kind of together with doing worship and doing uh, and doing lead pastor role. So if you just want to kind of tell our audience just about what, uh, what sticks out when you look back at specifically your time doing full-time ministry with your wife, raising your kiddos, watching them grow, and uh, as adults, right? And you're doing ministry, and obviously, you know, you're doing ministry with your son and your daughter-in-law right now. And, and so just uh, look back the last five years or so. I think it's been, how long have you been doing Five. Oh, for, uh, for, yeah, it's been about 20 for, cause I'm 69. I was 49 when I wow. came out of the secular workforce. And how long have you been doing <clears throat> Encounter and U-Hop? Five years. Five years. Okay. Yeah. I, I, that's yeah. what I thought. So I, that's about the farthest back I know is that you've been doing <laughs> yeah. U-Hop for the last five years, but I really don't know what the other 15 really look like. So you just yeah. want to pick out a few stories of what comes to mind that would bless us? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another uh, helpful hint uh, for people to, to uh, grab a hold of is that I, uh, during my transitional years prior to uh, saying yes uh, to God and coming on full-time staff, uh, those three years with Nestle, I struggled during those three years. Uh, I was like, how is this ever going to happen, you know, really? Yeah. And uh, having that <clears throat> prophetic word spoken over me and, and it resonating with my heart and... Uh, and yet not taking place, you know, so what do you do in that interim, you know, well, it's right. prayer and believing and reading those prophecies over again. Right. I mean, out loud, over yourself, basically. Wow. So, um, but uh, what happened was that every, uh, every year I would, uh, you know, feel uh, like I'm not equipped. And so I would look for schools to go to, basically, to get equipped. And those are always closed doors. You know, I had a huh. wife and five kids. And just that whole thing just seemed like impossible. I would, I would destroy my family for sake of ministry. And I knew that wasn't God. <clears throat> so what the Lord did, this is the fast story, but what the Lord did was bring a Bible college into our church building. Wow. We became Vision Christian Bible College's branch in Sioux Falls. And so we started a Bible college in our church building. Wow. So God, I didn't have to go anyplace. 
um, God brought the school to me, and that just shows you God. Yes. Uh, that is just how he works, and uh, I could have made something happen. I could have moved us to a, a school because they all wanted some on-campus presence, <clears throat> and I was thinking online. That just wasn't happening back in that day fully, I mean, 100%. And so, anyway, that's the, that's a quick shot. You can ask me more later. Yes. But God God did that, and so, wow. <clears throat> um, so graduated as well from that as as well as Southwest State uh, College, and uh, and so. Uh, but the next point I think I want to make in in this transition is that um, that the Lord knows. Um, you know what he's called you to and he doesn't like forget what we know and That's what we don't so know good. you know and <clears throat> so it's more confidence in god uh and so that was obviously as i told before growing you know yeah. uh, i just i i couldn't do anything myself so um <clears throat> that was my default now was you know basically god uh, and so he just encouraged me uh not to um, take everything that maybe I saw other pastors do in years prior or even current day, uh, that kind of thing, not to negate anything, not to say anything of that was, was bad. But because uh, he says in scripture that, he said, uh, you know, I am building uh, the church uh, and the gates of hell will not prevail. <clears throat> so building is a ongoing verb, you know, yeah. it's, it's not, uh, I did that, I'm done, you know, kind of thing. So he is building church. So it's going to change, yeah. obviously, because we've, ne we've not arrived. And so he's in the process of building, and so we just need to go to him to look at the floor plans every day, basically, for what he wants to add uh, to the, the building. And uh, not, I'm talking about uh, the building, using uh, the, the Christians as the building blocks, not, not a church building per se, right. uh, not a physical building. So, but he's using the lively stones of man, <clears throat> and that's, that's what we are to uh, engage with. And, uh, and so, uh, basically, uh, when I started doing funerals, and when I started doing weddings, and different uh, types of things, in addition to preaching more often, obviously, um, it, it was don't rest on previous things. Just keep coming to me and asking, what is it that I'm supposed to do? And so, because uh, I, I was wondering who wrote the book on weddings and who wrote the book on funerals, you know, well, it's a, it's a pretty wide open scenario, you yeah. know, and so yeah. basically the funerals that I've done and, and the weddings, I uh, try to present Christ in in. in uh, I think all funerals, but at least most, uh, I give people an opportunity to accept Christ uh, during them. And, uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, because people are, are thinking of death at that moment in time, you know, right. many of us, when we walk out of that place, we, you know, maybe that lasts for an hour or two, and then we forget, you know, right. or we, we choose not to think about death. But, um, <clears throat> and so, it was that way with everything, uh, kind of come with a, a clean whiteboard, if you will, <clears throat> and uh, and just ask me, you know, what what is uh, needed, and so uh, the Lord uh, did do that um, uh, during those years, and so that's uh, like a, a testimony, you know, uh, during that time. Um, 
there was, uh, you know, we, we still faced uh, struggles, um, you know, in our, our family, still raising, you know, five of our own kids and, and wow. raising them through the high school years, college years, and, yes. <clears throat> uh, and that kind of uh, scenario. So we still live life. Yes. My wife was still working at that time. She did that till she was 62. What was she doing? Uh, she was a registered nurse at Sanford, and she was a wow. case manager for the um, postpartum uh, area uh, of the hospital. So, and involved, she was the point person for adoptions uh, as well, really? which was kind of a, a sweet add-on. And so, <clears throat> but, uh, so she basically lived out her Christian life there. Wow. And uh, actually had, uh, f for one example, uh, there was a, a student that came back uh, after she had been on that floor, not, not teamed up with Ronnie, uh, but with a uh, bedside care nurse and because uh, Ronnie was a little bit on the administrative side with being a case manager. Um, but uh, so anyway, this, this young gal came back and talked to Ronnie and said, uh, I, I knew you were a Christian uh, from afar. I could uh, hear what people said about you. I could hear what you said and I could hear what you didn't say. You would never chime in when other people were not when their language was not edifying, wow. especially towards their husbands. <laughs> but uh, wow. <clears throat> anyway, so I think that even in kind of marked uh, my wife. You wow. know? And uh, another woman had noticed Ronnie as well. She was a worker that didn't work with Ronnie uh, side by side, <clears throat> but from a distance again. And her husband was a leader in another church uh, here in town. And when we wanted to rent their building, um, uh, basically the key to that was, well, I've seen Ronnie and she's married to their pastor. And so I think they're, they are a safe church to come into our building and rent yeah. from us. And so there was different, that, those are just two yeah. light uh, yes. testimonies of her walk in so the hospital, good. you know. So, <clears throat> so we need to be, some people think, well, I need to get into ministry. But we are all in ministry. Right. Pastors are not the only people in ministry. Right. And so actually, it says in Ephesians that we are to train people for, for ministry. Uh, so it's not the pastor that's actually supposed to, to do it all. It's actually mm. uh, the saints that are supposed to, to do that, the body of Christ. Um, so kind of tips the scale a little bit, you know, mm. that way. <clears throat> so, but, uh, you know, even as Jesus came through, the, uh, he was one man and walked on earth in with, with uh, you know with shoes sandals you know he could only be one place one time he multiplied himself through the holy spirit the holy spirit uh takes leaders and multiplies us through the saints and so it, it's all about multiplying and and through the holy spirit and uh, so but uh so anyway we all have a ministry and <clears throat> just happened to be that i was uh, uh he was marked me for this right. this this uh this right. opportunity, you know. So, how, how long did you do worship together then uh, as, as you transitioned into full-time pastor? How long did you maintain doing worship leading or being on the worship team and she was singing or playing keys? How long did that go till? Yeah, it was 40 years total, but it brought us uh, up to the point of... Um, Let's see. 
well, probably about five years ago when okay. the House of Prayer started, um, I was actually playing drums at that time. I actually led worship with drums. Okay. Uh, I would wow. lead worship from drums, however you want to put it, for yeah. a number of years. Um, but when we put the drums in the cage, yeah. uh, then then um, I stopped leading worship because we had other worship leaders, so yes. it wasn't a need. You know, yeah. I was the only worship leader pretty much other than, uh, well, we had two worship leaders, I should say. But um, so I didn't need to lead yeah. worship. I could just still play drums. And yes. So um, we are trying to maybe look at being organic uh, in our drum uh, scenario, and that would mean that we would go cage-free. Just a little humor here, yes. <clears throat> a little drum cage humor, but anyway, so Brandon, organic, organic. Brandon will like that. Yeah, he will like that. That's right. That's right. Cut me loose. I'll be cage free. Uh, but good. anyway, um, so Ronnie continued to play um, <clears throat> up until uh, she uh, broke her leg due to the cancer that was growing in her bones. Hmm. <clears throat> so uh, pretty much till she was 65, I think yeah. she played keyboard. Matter of fact, she was going to the prayer room to play keyboard when her left leg uh, broke due to cancer. Wow. Yeah, she was stepping into the garage. Wow. Yeah, so she, she continued playing until she couldn't play. Otherwise, wow. she would still be playing. <laughs> well, she is playing now, I Amen. guess. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> well, a... one thing I want to say about Ronnie, uh, and I don't know if I've shared this with you uh, or not, but uh, as at the, at the end of the, the funeral for Ronnie, uh, my wife went to the funeral, and, and my wife was so moved by that whole service. And uh, I don't even know if you called it a funeral, but it was it was very much like a service and a, just a time of worship and praise to God and thanks and gratefulness for just a life well lived. Yeah. And um, I, I remember asking Ellen how to go, and and I remember she was kind of choked up and speechless in some ways, and and I remember it was probably roughly a couple weeks later where uh, it came up kind of organically uh, we were talking in a small group of people who we who we are um, learning from in life who are we who are we kind of imitating in in a good way Christ Christ and Paul talked about you know imitation and, and what what the good aspects of what it means to imitate good works and learn mm -hmm. from it uh, and uh, I'll never forget Ellen Ellen made the the very clear conviction comment of like I want to forever know going forward like that what was said of Ronnie is going to be said of me mm. when I pass. Mm. Like the words that were spoken over her and, and how she impacted people, like that's who she wants to be. Mm -hmm. And just, it was just amazing. It was yeah. amazing. And so um, when you think back and, uh, you know, now where you're at, and and where you see yourself going um we're, we're going to jump into some equipping and uh, talk about practical and spiritual tools but uh while we're kind of in this vein is there any things on your heart stirring as far as any other stories that you would want to connect the dots to before we kind of jump into that section yeah i guess uh <clears throat> um 
part of it would be like uh, persevering um, <clears throat> when you have uh, a direction or, or a, a draw, you know, from God, even though uh, things look a little uh, pale or <laughs> a little anemic, um, uh, you know, we, um, we were dwindling as, as a church. Um, it, it stopped at uh, like 12 or 15 people, basically. The numbers uh, shrank, <clears throat> you know, went from 80 to 60 to 50, you know, and that, and that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. But it was because we were <clears throat> uh, pursuing uh, some avenues with the Lord through uh, greater um, and more impactful deliverance ministry. Uh, our worship was intensifying. Uh, there was obviously more prayer involvement, uh, mixing that with, uh, with worship. Um, and so we were kind of small and remote. We moved from, uh, facilitated to facility, yeah. kind of like the Israelites were moving to yeah. the desert land. Firehouse Underground was one of them. Yep. Yep. And so <clears throat> basically Living Way Church married Underground House of Prayer. Yeah. And there was a lot of... Uh, a marriage or a wedding paradigm that actually brought that about. Yeah. And that's another whole long story. But wow. it, it basically happened. <clears throat> and uh, But it was kind of organically happening right. even back before the church started to be more mo- mobile and like um, diminishing in size. Yeah. Uh, we realized that <clears throat> Sunday morning was not... Uh, enough worship, if you will. And so we just popped open a Friday night and just said, hey, we're just going to come and unplug. We're just going to not unplug electronically, uh, but from any kind of schedule. And so we would just begin to worship and it always, always ended up in prayer and worship. And it actually started at the time that IHOP started. We just didn't know about each other. Really? Yeah. And so we were organically functioning in that yeah not trained but just functioning in that and ihop was getting its start and they were uh, they were able to like train people specifically for that uh, to take place so it was something in the dna of our hearts in Mm -hmm. the church it was something that god was building again as he's building his church um and so when in some years later, when we were mobilized kind of thing, and or I should say moving from building to building you know, for temporary use space um, until the Lord brought us to a fixed place. Um, uh, and then, then the marriage of the two actually was yes. more official, if yes. you will. Yep. And, um, and so that was, if you will, uh, like a culmination of my call and dream. Wow. Uh, because, uh, like I said, it was just happening anyway. And so that was just like a breath of fresh air right. when we could actually put uh, some more framework or substance you right. know, to it. And so uh, for my wife and I, we were like just breathing. I wow. mean, you know, it was like just a, such a fresh breath of life. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. uh, and so... Uh, you know, just to, like I said, it was hard in those years that we were like diminished in size, uh, kind of hidden, uh, you know, that kind of thing. 
but God was formulating our, our hearts uh, for the transition, yeah. and he just needed us, you know, kind of tucked away for a, a season of time. Right. And, and there, there are forms of resiliency, you know, and you kind of like drop off of any uh, performance uh, type identity, right. you know, right. Uh, right. like I'm a pastor of, of what church, you know? What, where do they meet and yeah. and well, how many do you have? You all, you know, you yes. go to pastors' meetings and any of the meetings, they'll always ask, you know, what are your pastors of and how many people do you have? Yes. You know, that kind of thing. Well, we have twelve, sometimes fifteen, you know, and so yeah, we have home groups that are that size, you know, yeah. <laughs> so uh, or our ushering team is that big, you know, so um, <clears throat> so it wasn't uh, glorious in the eyes of man right but it was glorious in our services and uh you know functioning before the lord so um so but he he brought us the 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 dream of our life right uh, when this came together culmination of moving from minnesota and that dream of this is what we're looking for and we got moved by an amazing church community on fire and and you were wanting that as soon as you got here and, and it took sounds like a long season of life in Sioux mm-hmm. Falls for that really to come full circle yeah and kind of where things are right now yeah because he wanted to drop off some things again he didn't want to just do things as normal or you know look left and right to see right. what others are doing kind of thing right. and then okay let's do that right. it was you know no we're gonna do something a little bit different here so you won't be able to to do that you know and so, so um yeah all right we're gonna jump in and look back at our stories and talk about uh what we can learn from all this okay So in this section, it's relatively short and sweet. We're going to think back to the stories that you shared and just life experiences that you've had and just try to draw from the well, right? And and we're gonna we're gonna pull on that rope and, and we're gonna get the the bucket all the way down there and we're gonna we're gonna make sure it's full and we're gonna pull it up. And then in the challenge section, it's like, investigate, make sure the water's good, and now actually drink the water. Like, actually do something about it. That's what the challenge section is. Okay. Right? So, when you think back to the well that you've experienced and the goodness of your life, uh, what are are practical and, you know, spiritual tools that stick out to you that just kind of God has highlighted that you've used, that you've learned about? Yeah, I would uh, probably answer that question um, using the uh, first of the Ten Commandments. Um, It says, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. Um, And uh, he he stops there. um, Before he goes on to number two, he interrupts it with another uh, phrase. He goes on to say that it's the first and greatest commandment. And, uh, and then the second one is like the first one, but, you know, loving others uh, as yourself. Um, I think that for us, if we can keep ministry, all ministry, uh, very simplified, it would go back 
<clears throat> to uh, the first commandment as as first as priority as number one, right. and I believe that, that the Lord is is actually telling us what His heart is that He loves us, He wants a family, uh, He's looking for a bride for His Son, uh, and and He's uh, excited about us, and so to reveal uh, His heart to reveal if you will, vulnerability, you know, yeah. if you can think of God as vulnerable, um, but that he actually wants us to, to love and him uh, first. And I, and I think some of the, um, uh, we kind of err, if you will, <clears throat> in, a, uh, in stepping into number two, commandment two, loving others um, without fully developing the, the first one. Right. <clears throat> and scriptures talks about that we, we can only minister, we, we actually minister out of the overflow of our hearts. Yeah. And so the well has to spill over. Yeah. Uh, and then other people just get the overflow, the, the, the splashing, right. if you will. Right. And, but many times we find people in ministry leadership uh, where they're exhausted, burned out, all that kind of thing. It's because right. they haven't, they're not full of the, the love of God. They, they've not uh, sat at that well enough to splash over. Right. <clears throat> and so they're grabbing for that last eighth of a tank yeah. to give to somebody and, and they're aching, you know, uh, uh, as a result of that. And, and so <clears throat> some people maybe would disagree, but I think we have to give a little thought to this this statement, but uh, if we were to ask a lot of people what is the uh, greatest uh, injustice in the world, people would have a different opinion, and I could list uh, several of the top hitters in that, uh, but the, the greatest uh, uh, tragedy is that, that God uh, is not being uh, worshiped fully 24-7, 100% of the time, uh, like he is in heaven, and he wants heaven to be taking place on earth. He says that in the Lord in the Lord's prayer. Yeah. And so, if that were the case, if we, if us as a whole nation, as a world, <laughs> yeah. would be worshiping God, we wouldn't have any of the other issues. Wow, you know. So, and that's amazing because the comments like you know, uh, you are what you behold. Yeah. You ever heard yeah. that phrase? Oh, yeah. So, if we're putting all of our attention on the goodness of God, how is there time to do bad things? Right, yeah. So just the simple logic of, of that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, someone's going to possibly hear this and say, well, what about sickness? Well, what about you know, calamity? What about world disasters? Mm -hmm. Those things, yes, would likely still happen. Mm -hmm. But as far as loving God and loving people... Mm -hmm. that that also would still be happening if we are putting all of our attention on God. Yeah. And lovers are better servers than hirelings. Yeah. Yeah. And so we will love others with that full capacity uh, rather than a less than full capacity. Right. So we're, we are still giving a portion of love to people yeah. when we are less full. Uh, but how about giving them yeah. fully, you know, yeah. uh, that full tank of love? Will you talk to me about, from your experience, when you think about Moses being with God on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, 
You think about David in the tabernacle and the time that he spent with God. And you think about Jesus in the wilderness. You think about Paul for three years going off into Arabia and the amount of time each individual had to spend with God to really know God. Mm-hmm. And yet there was still so much growth still to be had. Like even though that all those times looked a little bit different, each, each, each man had a different journey and still had more to grow in understanding of the father and understanding of um, the sovereignty of God. That being said, so we're all on a different journey as far as how much time we might need to spend with God before we get to that natural overflowing place. Mm -hmm. But how would you give us, you know, from your experience, practical tools or advice or spiritual wisdom on like how to discern for ourselves? Like, when am I maybe at an overflowing place or when am I not? Like, how? Is it about time or is that not what it's about? Mm-hmm. What's the right question to help us start to understand that? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, in this time that we are currently in with yeah. the virus being there and many things shut down, you yeah. know, um, like sports and entertainment and, and you know, the, there's a longer list, but it's causing people uh, to uh, have less alternatives Uh, in their time frame because we all have 24 hours a day and nobody has more nobody has less so it it is how you invest in it right are you going to get the greatest return you know if you will yeah so uh to uh like evaluate uh even hour by hour um you know because most people work a 40 to 45 hour job or maybe even 50 whatever but you know so how can we uh be creative in our time yeah. uh, so uh, to you know use that day for for god in the evenings for god weekends for god you know all the different components uh, of our schedule right <clears throat> uh I'll, I'll just go back to my grandfather again that gave me his small new testament bible that was just worn out and so during his breaks and his lunch his uh, lunch time <clears throat> he would go and eat his, you know, his lunch or whatever, but he would be pouring through scripture and praying, you know, during that time. Right. And, and so I don't know how his other hours were. Mm-hmm. I just know that was from work. Uh, mm-hmm. He had taken that to work. So he was, he was doing it there mm-hmm. uh, it's as really well. Good. And so, yeah, it's just depending on, um, you know, we uh, are in a, a good place when we can look at uh, like, you know, giving up different aspects. Uh, and a lot of that we kind of take for granted as a, because we're in, we are in the culture we are in. And so the culture kind of somewhat dictates, you know, it gives, we, we are culture of, of fast food or fast everything. Yes. And we get what we want uh, and uh, entertainment is big. And so, and our phones can actually provide that, electronics, you know, other electronics can provide that. So I think if we would look at our total schedule, you know, how much time are we spending with our devices, you know, or, yeah. or the TV or movies, all that kind of stuff, you know, or even going out uh, into other entertainment outside the home, um, I think we can find like more, uh, more space um, uh, for God. And, and I think we can tell the overflow aspects 
is by what comes out of our mouth. Right. Uh, so and, good. and those that we work with or yes. our, our families can, can judge. Te- yeah, you can, they can judge. You know? <laughs> they can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Or you can see the response. Uh, you know? so and good. so um, yeah, I think it's that, that, that outflow that kind of tells you where you're at. Right. Before we uh, press play on this, uh, this segment, you were talking about the Ephesians being uh, corrected by the Lord in, in Revelation. And you talked about them being um, hearkened back to their first love and that they had, that they had fallen away. They had a, a good list of accomplishments and mm-hmm. current successes in the church and, and for the city. Ephesus, correct me if I'm wrong, had one of the biggest mm-hmm. revivals yep. that uh, Acts mm-hmm. documents. Yep. And so when you think about the Lord correcting that church on that topic, it's, uh, it's, it's very important to mm-hmm. take note of that. My question then would be, as far as from from what you've understood about, you know, your spiritual and practical tools, and the Holy Spirit, we help us kind of understand, like, when we're filled up with the Holy Spirit. In some churches, I I, I think that there would be kind of a, you're always going to be overflowing for the rest of your life. There's no such thing as being less filled. And yet, obviously, the Ephesian church was experiencing something there. They mm-hmm. were still having evidences of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so, the, the, you know, Jesus didn't say that you guys have less of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and that you're not overflowing. But there is something that I want to call out here, and that is the topic of the first love. So can you... Just speak into that a little bit around how mm-hmm. we can both be potentially <clears throat> overflowing. Can we both be overflowing and still have a heart thing happening that, that God wants to make sure is in alignment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, and this might kind of be a surprise uh, too, but <clears throat> is that uh, even non-Christians, unbelievers, <clears throat> can experience the blessings of God if they follow Scripture, uh, and so if they right. do what Scripture says, they'll be blessed. Unbeknownst to them, they might not <clears throat> yeah, even yeah. know that they're doing things in right. Scripture. Yep, that's right. Yeah, so that they will sense. be blessed. So Christians, when they speak the Word of God, there is a manifestation, or there, you know, God works because He He holds true to His Word. You right. Know? And so, when Christians are speaking the Word, and when we are doing the things that God has actually called us to do, right. Uh, even if it is out of a lesser capacity, he still honors his yeah. word and yeah. honors our, our actions. Yeah. And so we can be, you know, kind of even somewhat uh, depleted, yeah. you know. But um, like, um, you know, there is a, um, how should I put it? Uh, there is the, the, the omnipresence of God, which we are guaranteed. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So we never have to really ask. For God to be with us, because He He is. Yeah. I mean, I understand what people are praying when they pray that, so I, that's not yeah. a critical uh, uh, thing, a point at all. Uh, but what we really want is the manifest presence of God, where He comes and fully uh, comes out and like does what He's been giving a release right. to do. Right. And so that that is what we really pray for yeah. is that to take place. So yeah. those things come out of. A more full uh, relationship, you know, with, yeah. with the Lord, yeah. and uh, 
and so and we can hear differently we we hear to a different level yeah. when we're in a more constant uh communion and we're not kind of in and out of it right you know right and uh, right. kind of have to so almost relearn if you will or you know uh, so carrying conversation with him through yeah. the day uh, is different than yeah. approaching and pulling away you know so kind of thing. so and i i realize people work so that that's I, I i'm not telling people you know uh, drop your jobs and and go to a building for 24 7 you know mm. kind of thing or, or anything like that because he, be he creative meets, yeah. yeah yeah be creative and and uh, we can be praying uh that you know many jobs offer segments of time at least that yes. we can be uh praying in our hearts <clears throat> and uh and using our uh, we're, we are all missionaries it just depends on what mission field he's given us yeah. you know if it's at walmart then we have the mission field of walmart right and that isn't not anything less than any other country right. you know so right um you know so to influence our sphere uh by praying for them in general and yeah. as specifics so uh, good uh, individuals because people will actually draw on us when they see the peace of god um that's that's the the nice thing about tragedies or uh, challenging lifestyles or right. uh, not lifestyles but uh lives is that uh the unbeliever or Christians that are maybe uh, lacking in maturity can see the Jesus walking out in in the hard times if we don't have hard times nobody has any example yeah. of a proof of a life lived out in how do you how do you live in the, in the right. hard times yeah oh well you do these things you know i have an invisible well right yeah right i mean yeah. that that's that's the reality is mm -hmm. i i really draw from something invisible i don't need the stock market yeah i don't need the entertainment i don't need the sports mm -hmm. i have an invisible well that i draw from every day mm -hmm. multiple times a day yeah and are you thirsty yeah yeah, and I think there's a, an opportunity for a reset in this time frame because things are slowing down. Yeah, and might even slow down more. We don't know. Right. Is there anything else you'd want to share as far as practical or spiritual tools before we go into the challenge section? Uh, I used to be a person that could stay up really late, uh, and mm -hmm. I could get up reasonably early, mm -hmm. and so I would I could burn up a day. I mean, I could like. My day was long, right? You know, because I didn't, and I still don't really need a whole lot of sleep. But I found out how how early I can actually get up uh -huh. and do well in a day. Wow! And so, uh, so I, I paired back because uh, I used to like watch TV yeah. more in the evening yeah. and could spend, you know, a long time doing that, and I could just stay up. You know, it was kind of a night owl. Um, but when I would pair that back. And then invest in the early morning yeah. before anything hits you. Any texts come, right. any demands from right. people, you know, yes. whether it be family or outside. Yes. Um, that 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 early hour, those early hours are are amazing. Would you say the sacred spot is that four a.m.? Yeah, I mean, you know, for for my schedule now, you yeah, because I'm at the prayer room at five thirty, so I have to get up at four. Right. You know, but there's uh, some pretty cool. Uh, stories of different men and women of God who got up at 4 a.m. There was something yeah. about that time specifically. I don't know if you've heard about some of those stories, but yeah. now, now my, my body actually wakes up before four. Does it really? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I set an alarm every day 
but right. it, it mostly wakes up before. Okay. So that's a good practical tool. Mm-hmm. Go to bed a little bit early, prepare for your day in the early morning. And what, one guy that uh, had that pattern way back in my early days, yeah. in, the, in the 70s, I asked him, how do you get up so early in the morning? He says, well, because I thought he was going to give me a big spiritual answer. He said, I just drink a lot of water before I go to bed. <laughs> that was his alarm clock. <laughs> that is awesome. All right, everybody, we're going to jump into the challenge section. It's been an awesome time getting to talk to Jerry. I have learned so much. I hope you've been blessed by this time. As we jump into the challenge section, it is my aim here that you walk away supported and feeling like you have clear direction in uh, what you can do in the upcoming days and weeks and years and in your life. So it is always a little bit hard to receive a challenge without having, you know, a face-to-face conversation, without having, you know, a high five at the end, without having a hug, without having even just a time of prayer, without having accountability. And so I just encourage you as uh, you listen to this challenge and if you've listened to challenges in the past episodes, so important if you really want to live out the challenge to get into community, get into uh, a group of people who want to see you grow personally and professionally. And I just know from personal experience that uh, it is, I'm not going to say impossible, but very, very hard to change patterns, to change rhythms, to really do any type of personal transformation without A, the help of the Holy Spirit, and B, the help of community. And so just going to start that very clear right up front, uh, just so Jerry knows that I care and that uh, the, the uh, audience is, is ready for a good challenge. So uh, Jerry, as you think about you know the summation of kind of what we've talked about and the practical tools, spiritual tools, and you, and you connect those to life, how would you challenge us to grow and consider how we can think different from a different perspective? Um, go ahead and share what's on your heart. Sure. Well, I, I promised you that I would <clears throat> come back uh, to some of the earlier statements uh, that I made, and um, one of those was, um, um, uh, you know, the, the the prayer life, you know, which I mentioned about my great grandfather, you know. So I, I, hopefully, you you heard that being woven uh, throughout this whole this whole time. Yeah. And Gordon didn't ask me what I was actually going to say in this section, but right. he he actually framed it up. Um, and actually spoke uh, different portions of what I'm going to close with, and that awesome. the challenge is, uh, uh, which is my second point, and I alluded to it during the rest of it, was uh, <clears throat> to find a, a partner in the sense of a, a mentor. And so I had shared with you that I didn't realize the value you know, early on in my life, uh, but I was... Uh, the, the Holy Spirit basically brought people into my life that I was like tracking with, following, watching, and trying to emulate uh, as well. <clears throat> and later, as I found out that we actually can uh, choose to do that, um, 
uh, so you know that that was actually a very helpful tool. Uh, so I've basically have not had uh, somebody that I like picked and somebody assigned uh, to me, but I've had uh, partners, uh, if you will, <clears throat> along in life. Uh, many of which have been other pastors that I've like prayed with and that kind of thing in, in pastor's prayer meetings and stuff. So, um, uh, but anyway, and, uh, uh, but it is a, um, it is good to, to have a mentor. <clears throat> uh, if you want to learn how to run fast, you have to run with somebody who knows how to run faster than you are running. Right. And so you want to uh, pick somebody <clears throat> that, that can actually pull you, uh, pull you forward, draw you forward, uh, and uh, and so pick somebody uh, that way. But also then be a mentor. Uh, don't wait until you think you've got it all right. uh, straight, uh, because uh, taking somebody alongside, uh, as many of you know, uh, being a teacher. Uh, if you've taught a Sunday school class, if you taught your kids, whatever, anybody that you teach, you know that you have to actually study a little bit more to teach. And so the teacher actually learns more than the student. And, uh, yes. and that, that, that's an okay thing. And mm -hmm. so even when you are learning, uh, then, then share those uh, with somebody else as well, uh, because you will grow even uh, quicker and you will, like, as you are processing what you're learning, it will sink deep into you. Uh, Matt, that's why we encourage people to read scripture out loud, yeah. even because uh, it changes the climate around us when we speak out loud, when we process out loud, I believe, too, uh, that that helps us uh, grow in that, in that way, and, and uh, the thought patterns become more solidified in us. And so <clears throat> I, I had great mentors, uh, uh, even though they weren't uh, or, uh, uh, facilitators uh, specifically in my life, uh, they did speak into mm -hmm. my life, and I, I have learned greatly by them. But I would say <clears throat> to do both. Uh, find a, a mentor that, that you are actually uh, doing this as a commitment because you, you will <coughs> gain the things that Gordon just talked about as far as the, the high five, the encouragements, uh, you will have accountability, you know, as well, and that that's a, a good, healthy, a good, healthy uh, lifestyle uh, to have, and um, uh, it it keeps us uh, more centered, and uh, and people have uh, less struggles uh, mm -hmm. when you have that kind of uh, uh, partnership, and so it's it's a life giving, and we we obviously see that uh, in in scripture, mm. and so that would be my challenge. That's so good. I have two different challenges. You want me to go with number one or number two? Yeah, just let me just pick one or two. What's that? Yeah, I want you to tell me number one or number two. Just pick a number. Oh, okay. One. Okay, number one. All right, so number one, uh, that would be this scripture right here. And so that is going to be out of Matthew chapter 7. And uh, it's just a, a little clip here. So it's Jesus speaking, uh, starting in 21, going to 23, Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, 
I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And what I want to just ask us to consider, all of us, is what are we doing our work for? And who are we doing it for? Why are we doing it? When I look at Jerry and I've watched his um, just lifestyle at uh, church uh, on, on various different events, not just on Sundays because our church does um, things uh, seven days a week other uh, than Saturday. We basically take a Sabbath on Saturday. Uh, so I, I've, seen, I've seen Jerry walk out uh, joy and natural fruit. Uh, I just, I literally, I, whenever I see him, he's a man who, he already spent time with the Lord. He got his bucket full and and he like has a he has a I just I get this image of a really nice wood bucket uh with with metal um clamps around it very strong very sturdy and that water is full and overflowing and I can go to Jerry at any moment and I can get a cup of, of cold water from him and 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 so that's just to say that um when I when I when I think about Jerry, he is someone who um, is not doing things um, for the praise of man. He's not doing things for the applause of man. He's not doing things for anyone but the smile of the Father at the end of all of this, at the end of every day, at the end of our life. He just knows that the Father is smiling at him and... And that's what he does things for. Not even to earn the smile, just knowing that the father smiles from the day he was conceived, the day he was thought of, the day that he accepted Jesus as a 12-year-old and how he's walked and ran and laid down with God and held him hand with hand, walked with Ronnie. He's just been someone who loves to be with God. And that's, that's our challenge is we can do a lot of things, a lot of really awesome faith things, a lot of really awesome successful worldly things and being in business and being in the marketplace and uh, coming up with new ideas, innovative, cutting edge. We can do all those things. And at the end, the Lord's just going to be wanting to say, you know, I love you and I've known you all this time and he, and he has, but there's just been um, a reality of, of, of a lack of relationship and, and there's, there are going to be natural consequences to a lack of relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just and challenge us all, myself included, obviously, hopefully you can hear that in my tone, hear it in my heart that um, I am, I am going after this as a young man. I'm, I'm, I'm learning from Jerry. I'm I'm reaching out to him, and uh, and I just hope that you can reach out to him. You can find Jerry in Sioux Falls. Um, what's your favorite thing to drink? Probably uh, Juice Stop right now. Juice Stop. <laughs> All right. So you can uh, you can find Jerry at uh, UHOP. You can message him on Facebook, and uh, go have a Juice Stop with him. And uh, you it will be uh, a time. Uh, of just eternity on, on earth. 
It's it's a very special time. It's a very holy time. As we prayed before uh, we started this uh, this time, one of the things that we prayed about was that you would sense a sense of of, of holy ground during our conversation. That uh, that you know you would really have listened, uh, taken off your shoes, stopped what you were doing, had a notepad, and really contemplated for yourself where you fall in this and where do I fall in this and and you know what is Jerry learning from us as as he testified that he's been spurred on by you know his college years and so from a young age there's a lot of things that happen in our young age that is very much uh uh I just get the image of like a um a propeller uh and and what happens in those early years uh the speed of that propeller it'll it can it, it really has an impact on on our whole life mm-hmm. and so uh, any final thoughts jerry before we conclude here oh i think i've talked quite a bit <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much it was uh, it was so much fun thank you thank you thank you and uh well i'll make sure to have you stop with you for Okay. For all this. So, <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, have a great uh, day, night, wherever you are. Bless you in Jesus' name. Hi, everyone. I hope that you enjoyed our conversation with Jerry. I know that I was looking forward to that, and I was so encouraged by our entire conversation. There's a lot that happens off air as well that is encouraging to me and stirs me up in so many ways. And I hope that you had a chance to write a few things down or really mentally take notes and make a plan to add some new things to your life, whether it's a huge decision like following Jesus and really going after God for the first time or recommitting your life to Jesus. I would love to hear about that. I know Jerry would love to hear about that and we would love to support you in that. But even if it's changing your sleep patterns or or it's about spending more time with God or whatever other nuggets you took from that conversation, I would love to hear about it and be able to support you and celebrate the things that you are intentionally going to implement in your life. That's what this podcast is about. It's really supposed to provoke you to want to grow and and know that there's so much potential inside of you to be the best person that you've ever imagined yourself. And that is for all of us the image of Christ. And that that's who we are meant to look like on the outside and the inside. And so for those of you who have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to reach out to me with uh, anything. And I want to end our time today looking at a verse that was the inspiration for the title of the conversation. And that's out of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 11. And God will open wide the gates of heaven for you to enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's out of the TLB version of the Bible. I hope that you are encouraged. I'm so excited to hear from you. Have a great week. 
bless you in this time of what many are saying are uncertain. I believe that we have a God who is trustworthy and true and he is reliable. And I hope that you got to hear that very clearly from our conversation with Jerry. So bless you again, and I'll talk to you next week. This week's outro song is Josh Baldwin, You Deserve It All.